Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you, it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. Summer camp has always been my personal leadership learning lab. Thankfully, I've had a lot of great teachers over the past two decades. People like Priscilla Griffin, Norbert Auger, Bob Ditter, Jeff Lycan, Dan Zinkel, Jancy and Bill Dorfman, and so many more. I've made a lot of mistakes and thankfully been, for the most part, patiently corrected. And I've also been inspired a ton. Speaking of leadership, I'm happy to say that this podcast is being dropped a few days before I head to the ACA Tri-State Conference, one of my favorite off-season experiences. A big part of the summer camp industry will be there uh, to meet, to share ideas, to go over best practices, and to learn how to lead a bit better. While we won't be high-fiving and hugging very much this year, thanks to the current virus running around, I can't wait to see everybody and learn some more. While summer camp is a great learning lab for fossils like me, it's perhaps the best one for young people. There are few situations as rich with leadership opportunities and lessons for kids of all ages than summer camp. Whether it's learning to listen before responding, asking questions to get to the true meaning of things, helping to motivate a bunk who's got to get things cleaned up in time for inspection, leading a color war team, or, or any of the other myriad chances to lead, our kids get actual experience in the do's and the don'ts and the lessons of leadership. And as they say, there's no substitute for experience. My guest around the campfire tonight, Professor Dave Malter, knows a lot about summer camp and leadership, both from experience and from his own research. Having grown up at day camp and then continuing on to work either in camps or on camps for many years, Professor Dave really has done it all. Now directing the Master's in Camp Administration and Leadership for Greats University, it's Professor Dave's job to actually help prepare the leaders of tomorrow. I hope you'll enjoy this fun and wide-ranging conversation about leadership with my friend, Professor Dave Malter. Dave Malter, I'm so happy to have you around the campfire. Thanks for having me, Cole. I'm excited. So your camping career has started, started a long time ago. Um, long time ago. You started at day camp, though, correct? I was a day camp guy for a long time. Okay. And then yeah. moved into actually working camp. But tell me about the day camp you worked out is a pretty neat place. Tell me about Camp Discovery. So when I was a kid, that was the name of the camp. Well, when I was there, there was no name for it. It was just a, a YMYWHA. Really? Richard G. Rosenthal camp. I mean, it was the longest, worst <laughs> name ever. <laughs> uh, just so it was... It was really the days before the JCC took over the YMYWHAs. Got it. Okay. Uh, this was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, you're talking, you know, 35 years ago about. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, I think it, it, while I was still there, I'd say it became Camp Discovery. Uh, and much it still exists name. today. Yeah, much better name. <laughs> uh, a little easier on the marketing <laughs> material. Uh, and I was a camper. I, I moved to... 
uh, Westchester, New York when I was seven, mm -hmm. uh, right around my seventh birthday. And parents found this day camp that they sent me to. And uh, I stayed there until I was 18, 19 years old. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you yeah. got into camp working. What, what were your next steps there? So I went to, I, I left camp for just a couple of summers. I did a couple of internships, but always mm -hmm. kind of, I did a tennis camp and I visited camp and I stayed in touch with a lot of people. And back then it was hard to stay in touch because there was no, sure. no internet. And I was definitely one of those boys who did not know how to use the phone. Uh, was not, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, I eventually went to grad school uh, while I was in grad school, I met somebody in class, uh, a fellow classmate who worked at a, at a camp, a day camp, and I was thinking about getting back into it. And he brought me in and it happened to be with Roz and Jed Buck at Meadowbrook. Yep. Uh, so I, re, I got back into the camp and I worked for them for a few years while I was in grad school, really kind of five months out of the year, four months out of the year, mm -hmm. kind of doing stuff pre-camp and a little bit of post-camp and uh, special events. During the summer, my official title was the director of fun. Nice. Uh, a good, that's a good title to have. Yeah, I originated the title and it still exists at that camp. So I've been back <laughs> a couple of times and you're the original DAF. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was going to be a teacher. So I was, I was going to be a high school English teacher. Uh, I decided I didn't want to do that, switch my major in grad school, decided I wanted to teach college instead. Okay. And as I was finishing up grad school, I was like, you know, I really like this camp thing. I'm, I'm really back into loving it. And it, it really fuels my passion. And mm -hmm. uh, I, my, one of my best friends, Scott Rothschild, yep. uh, worked at AC, in New York, New Jersey at the time running Tri-State. And as I was graduating, I just, the time, you know, timing is, people say mm -hmm. it all the time, it's just the right timing. And he said, well, we have a job available. The person is leaving. Do you want to come work with me? And I worked there for a couple of years really with the intention of getting into camp full time. I knew I wasn't going to be at ACA forever. Sure. Um, yep. And uh, the first tri-state that I worked, I'd been to a few, but the first one that I really worked at, I ran into Jonathan Gold, who was my camp director when I was a teenager. So he took over as the camp director when I, when I started working really as a counselor at camp mm -hmm. and he had just bought a new camp and he hired, uh, a guy that I went to camp with. Come on. Be the camp director. So Gary's the camp director there. I became the assistant director. And now Gary's son, Ty, goes to this to the resident camp that my wife is the director at and I work at in the summer. That is that's a crazy, crazy combination camp. of events. Well, yeah. and so just to, to explain what some people might not understand what Tri-State is. Tri-State is one of the larger, if not the largest camp conferences yeah. in the country um, where you have people come in from mostly the Northeast, but also from lots of different places to, to yeah. learn quite a bit over multiple days. And they're, they're wonderful conferences. The ACA Southeast has got a great conference. Of course, ACA National, uh, which is happening out Next in San Diego week. here. Yeah. But it's an awesome one. Uh, Tri-State is one that I've been to the most just because that's where our, our camps are. Right. Um, but tell me a little bit about Tri-State so people can understand what that, that is. So it's about 3,000 camp people coming together in Atlantic City every March. Uh, about Not to gamble. Not to gamble, to <laughs> learn. I mean, they probably do a little bit. A little bit. Uh, uh, eat some good food. There are some good restaurants down there. Yep. Uh, and about 160 sessions or so, uh, about 250 exhibitors who all sorts of different gear for camp. Yep. Between sports gear and water 
stuff and all sorts of crazy. It's a really fun exhibit hall. I've been to a bunch and, and different conferences too. And this is yeah. definitely the most fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great opportunity. And that's kind of where I really probably fell even more in love with camp. Uh, it's also where I met my wife uh, 10 years ago this year. Stop. Our, we met 10 years ago at Tri-State. Yeah. All roads lead to Tri-State for you. I love this. I mean, it's the place. <laughs> Atlantic City, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, one of the pieces that I love about Tri-State and one of the things I know that you loved about it too is the fact that there's so much educational uh, opportunities, so many educational opportunities there, especially from a leadership standpoint. And that's something I know that's near and dear to your heart. How, now that you've kind of worked in camp, you've, you've done the camper thing, the staff member thing, the full-time camp thing. Now you're actually teaching people about running camps right. and leading. How do you see camp affecting people from a leadership standpoint? You know, it's one of those places where I think it's a small environment and it's really easy to build people up as leaders. Mm. That's the thing that I think is really interesting about it. You know, most camps have anywhere from 75 to 250 staff members, let's say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And that's a really small place, right? Considering right. when you look around the world and some of these companies, you know, you could have 75 people, you know, in one office, right? right. And 10 offices across the world or whatever it is. It's a place where you can really find people easily and target them as leaders mm -hmm. uh, and provide them the tools they need to become better leaders and, and figure out if that's really who they are and what their strengths are. So it's a really cool environment where there, are, there is a lot of opportunity there on both sides to kind of figure out who, who those people are. Got it. What, what are kind of the tools that you look at when you're trying to help somebody learn the skill of leadership? Because I'm like you, I believe that leadership is something that's taught. It's not inherent. It's, it's something that, you know, some people might feel like they are just because they can be more, I don't know, out in the open. They're, they're more extroverted and whatnot. That doesn't mean you're a good leader. Some no. of the greatest leaders in the world have been the quietest people. You yeah, know, most the of the best, you know, they've done a lot of research on this and most of the best leaders are introverts. Really? Uh, yeah. So uh, why is that? You think? Research. Um, it's really because those are the qualities that people like, right? You, we might initially, so there's a whole backstory to extroverts that I, and I actually do some, some teaching about this. Please. So ext extroversion comes from post-World War II. Uh, right. when people were coming back and, you know, there's tons of opportunity and jobs and, and the sales business really kind of exploded after World War II, kind of door-to-door -door sales, um, things like that. And the people that were valued the most were those people who could go mm -hmm. knock on doors and be extroverted. And, you know, my grandfather, you know, passed away a long time ago, but he was one of these guys like out there and really, you know, he wasn't educated, he, but he mm -hmm. was in the army. He didn't finish high school. And he just came back and he was a great people person, right? That's yep. the new way we explain extroverts is good with people, right? Yep. Um, and so there's this myth in America that extroverts are the most successful because that's what we've kind of, you know, those are all the successful business people and that's, you know, the people who made money and mm -hmm. people you see on TV now and on Instagram and are those people willing to put them out. But the qualities of an introvert, which is, to be more introspective, to uh, ask other people questions, right? Mm -hmm. To value others' opinions a little bit more, to take their time, right? The big, the biggest between introverts and extroverts is actually kind of brain science, where extroverts' mm -hmm. messages get there faster, where introverts it travels through the brain a little bit slower. I guess is the best way to say sure. it. 
So really just sitting back and taking your time. And so there's, there's a lot of research about the value of introverts uh, that I talk about in terms of camp is we need to value those people because about 60%, if not more of your staff are actually introverts. Uh, and we need to be aware of that. So it's a really interesting, uh, you, you made me think of the fact that all of our kids now, not all, but the majority of our kids and a lot of our staff members are on social media all the time, right? And they feel like if I don't put something out there, then I'm not going to be liked or followed or thought of whatnot. And that's an extrovert's probably easily put stuff out, whereas an introvert can't. But at camp, when you take away that social media aspect, it really does allow those those young people who are introverted to have a place to shine a bit more yeah if, if we give it to them right and if right. we value it so a lot of times you know we we tend to sometimes in no fault of our own but just the culture itself you know values those people who are going to get up and play guitar and sing in front of every, the whole camp or get up on stage and do something silly at, mm-hmm. at morning lineup or morning assembly whatever you call it and we forget about those people who are like in the bunk or in the cabin right? Talking to kids and, and bonding with them and sharing their likes, you know, and, and dislikes and, and really taking their time with them. Mm-hmm. We forget about those people sometimes because they're, they're just there and they're so good at it and it comes so naturally to them. And we forget to, to kind of um, celebrate them as much right. as we do some of the other people. Yeah. Was it, there's a great book, um, Quiet. Is that Quiet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful yeah, a book. book. Yeah. You want to learn more about introverts. It's interesting. We read that and actually immediately made some changes to, to our camp uh, in terms of the program offering for some of these kids. We wanted to give them a little bit of space and time. And the book nook became just a huge place for our yeah. kids sitting by Camp Mom Judy's Garden, reading a book for 45 minutes. They totally recharged. It was interesting to see as the kids aged through camp, those ones that you always thought, that's the quiet kid. I'm, you know, they, they love camp. But then all of a sudden they flourish and they absolutely open up. You know, when it's time to lead, it's the little ones actually go to them more than the ones that are the, you know, brash and wide open ones. It's really been interesting to watch. I I recommend that uh, a lot of camps, I recommend that they have their staff take the test that's in that book. It's like Mm -hmm. it takes no time at all. There's a little quiz in there to to learn where you really are on the scale. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it allows you to match up those counselors who you think are extroverts that are actually introverts with some of those kids that you're talking about and actually be more um, intentional about how you place them in cabins right. and bunks and set them up for success and say that kid who's a little bit quieter needs you as their mm-hmm. role model because mm-hmm. you're an introvert, and, but you're still amazing and you can relate to them better. Gosh, how great would that be if we could do something like that in the classroom for kids yeah. and, and teachers? Can you imagine? I mean, that really would make a big difference, I think, in a lot of situations or coaches and teams or whatever. Even just that one thing, introvert versus extrovert, how can I help get to you? It's so easy. Interesting. Okay. It's like a little bit of time. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the tools of leadership. What are the things that you, what are the tools that you would want people to be taught from a leadership standpoint at camp or really anywhere? So the first part is I really think they have to be willing to be leaders. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be some sort of willingness there. Um, you know, Jonathan, who I spoke about earlier, he always talks about skillability and will, right? Okay. So you can have all the skill in the world or you can teach the skill like you said earlier, right? right? Some people have ability that's just inherent and it's there. But, yet, but the most important thing is the will. So mm-hmm. first you have to find out if those people want to be leaders. And I talk a lot about with camps is – 
do we have these conversations enough? Right. So I give the example of you hire a waterfront director from, from the UK or Australia, wherever you're hiring from, or I'm sorry, a lifeguard, right? Sure. Right. And they come to camp, they're 19. Amazing, right? Great lifeguard, great in the bunk, great with kids. They're doing an amazing job. And in your head, as a director, you're kind of like, well, I could see that person running my waterfront in a couple of years. Sure. And that person might be looking at the waterfront director and saying, man, I really want that job. Mm-hmm. Right? But the right. two of you never have that conversation. And yeah. that person might get hired next summer by another camp as the waterfront director because you never had took the time to connect those dots. Right. So the first piece for me is recognizing that we have to have more of those conversations and take the time to really talk to me and say, if you want to, listen, I see you as somebody who could be here a long time and it works better for us because getting a three or four year commitment would be amazing. Right? Sure. Uh, and say, I view you as a waterfront director. Do you see that, right? Our current waterfront director has to go back to university, won't be here forever, whatever the case is. Here are the steps you need to take to get there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to mm-hmm. keep checking in to make sure you're making your way towards that position. It might not be next summer. It might be the summer after, but, but hang in there and here's my goal for you. Imagine if we had that conversation more often. Gosh, that's such a powerful moment that you could have with a staff member because it immediately shows that you respect what they do and are interested in their long-term growth. Yeah. Uh, and that right there will create some loyalty, I think, and, and also create a, wow, he, you know, that director really appreciates me. And Plus, what we can yeah. Do. And you're teaching them how to have that conversation with other people too. Right. right? That's, a, that's a learn, a learning moment for them where they can really learn, Oh, this is how you talk to people. This is how you manage people. Yeah. You know, I do, I do with camps. I'm actually going to do it in a couple of days with a camp up in Jersey, a day camp with their leadership team. And I talk a lot about goals mm-hmm. and what your goals are. And they actually fill out like a six question sheet, right? Uh, about what their goals are for the summer, professionally, personally, whatever it might be. And then I have them do it with their staff. So mm-hmm. instead of just doing these midsummer evaluations, they can go to this goal sheet and say, Hey, Cole, you know, here you said your goal was to learn everybody's name by the first week. How's that going? Right. Right. Just a quick three check minute conversation. Check back in. Um, but it allows a really easy way to do it. And the questions get a little bit more deeper than that. Uh, but same thing, right? It's like, how do you have these conversations? So when you talk about skills, I think one of the most important skills is just being able to understand how other people um, need to be managed, mm-hmm. right? Not so much about, you know, there's all this talk about what's your management style? Well, okay, it's good to have some self-awareness, but I think it's more important to understand how other people need to be managed and what their needs are. And if right. you have that kind of awareness, then you're on your way to being a great leader. Well, yeah, because you really have to meet people where they are. Yeah. You know, the, the, the only unsuccessful leaders I've seen are those who just say, you have to, you have to come to me, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, the benevolent God, you know, like <laughs> I am, I am King. Like, you know, you have to deal with me instead of getting on people. You know, it's the same way we talk about kids, right? Mm-hmm. You're a counselor getting down on their level, speaking their language, asking them lots of questions about mm-hmm. how they're feeling, what they need. Mm-hmm. right? To feel comfortable and feel okay. I think it's the same thing as a leader. I think adults need that as much as kids do. Awesome. All right. So we've got scalability or skillability, I should say, as, as they get the, those skills going. The will, which I think is a really important one. We've actually had a number of situations where we thought someone would be great in this role. We call them up, say, hey, we really want you to be a division head. And they'd be like, whoa, no, absolutely not. Like, I'm, I don't I'm want not. to do that. Yeah. yeah. 
And that I think is kind of an interesting thing where you want to give somebody leadership. You think, wow, it's this great big gift, but we obviously didn't prepare them enough for that to even think that they could, A, take it on. Right. That goes back to the conversation I was talking about, right? Like nobody talked to them about it. They just kind of assumed like they love camp, right? Right. And they're really good at it. They should be a leader, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, I love to eat. Doesn't mean that, you know, I need to be a chef. Right. Or Uh, a competitive eater. Right. hundred percent. All right. So what else, what are the skills you think of from a leadership standpoint, besides the skillability and the will? So I, I think Mm self-awareness is something I just mentioned before. So I'm doing this other, I'm kind of on this push now because I'm always constantly kind of trying to find new things to talk about and, and mm-hmm. new new ways to teach people. So I've talked a lot about purpose lately okay. and finding out what your individual purpose is in life. Mm-hmm. Right. So figuring out all those pieces of you and how they fit together and where they meet in the middle and then looking at the institution's purpose, whatever camp it is or business it is, and seeing if those two match up. Yeah. So I think having self-awareness about am I in the right place? What am I capable of? What are my skills? Right? And how can I contribute to mm-hmm. the to the bigger piece? Mm-hmm. That's a really important that people, like you just said, right? That probably on on the other side, oh, I could be a division leader, right? Like this looks awesome, right? I don't have right. to you know, maybe I don't have to live in a bunk anymore, right? I get like, you know, I get a some new swag, I get better swag that way. I get a walkie talkie, <laughs> right? Like all these perks that people get as leaders, but they don't really stop and think, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Right. I think that person that says to you, no, I'm not, that's not me. That's amazing, right? Like that's showing, actually showing leadership skills, 100%. right? And saying, because a lot of people who, who do take that opportunity and weren't ready for it are going to fail. Right. Uh, because yeah, they haven't taken the time. If they fail to stand up to that person, because it's it's very hard. Look, I have a hard time ever saying no to my wife. And I can imagine being 21 years old and having Dr. Kelly say, hey, I want you to be the division head. And you say no to her. Like, good luck. You've you, you talked about the idea of purpose. There's a great quote from Mark Twain that says the two most important days of a person's life are the day that they come into the world and the day they realize why they're there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but I think it also requires from the the, certainly from the individual standpoint, but also from the organization standpoint, what's their purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, because even though, you know, I'm a, we run a summer camp, my camp is very different than Camp Summit, which is there for special need kids, which is very different from Meadowbrook, which is a great day camp. We, right. I mean, our purposes are all slightly different. So I think in order for a young person to find their purpose and match it, they got to figure out what does that organization really mean? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, so you've got to know what the mission is of that camp and have you communicated that mission in a, in a clear enough way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because remember, a lot of people are still just, you know, I want to work at camp. It looks like a lot of fun, right? right? And then they look around and they're like, oh man, all these kids paying all this money, that coal guy, he's loaded, right? He's, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't really care. He's just loaded because look at all these kids. And right. we went on the website and looked at how much they're paying, right? right? That's like the, that's going through their heads. And the reality is, is that you're, you're there obviously to run a business and, and take care of your family, mm-hmm. right? But you're also there for a specific reason that you believe in, right? right. That has to do with, with raising everybody's kids mm-hmm. in this world. And what exactly does that look like? And do I feel comfortable with that? Right. Right. Does that fit me? 
And yeah. if, if the camp hasn't done a great job of explaining what their mission is, it's going to be a really tough match. And it's going to lead to some, some failures in leadership because you just don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. You're not understanding each other. Um, so I think it's worth, again, taking the time to, to work on all of that. Mm-hmm. 100%. What are some of the, the common mistakes that you see from a leadership standpoint? Obviously, not having that conversation initially. That's a big one. And that's it, a great point. But what are some other pieces that you see that, that camps don't do a very good job from a, a leadership standpoint? You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes, and it's probably the hardest thing to do, is to recognize when the person who is in a leadership position just shouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of that of just, we love this person. We care about them. They've been here, whether it's one summer or 20 summers, Mm -hmm. but we've moved on, right? Maybe our mission has changed. Times Mm -hmm. have changed. Kids have changed, whatever it is. uh, And they just aren't willing to, to separate themselves from that person. Uh, You know, I, I, uh, I have a client that I work with, and he's constantly telling me, like, he has to remind me because we've had some tough conversations about some of his leaders. You know, sometimes you, you've done what you've been there to do, right? right? You've fulfilled your purpose. You've done everything you're supposed to do. And it's time to move on. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I think both sides have to be willing to do it. But I think, you know, as camp directors, we're really nice people. Right? <laughs> yes. We are, right? And yet you have to be to, to do this. And we don't want to hurt people. We also don't want to hurt the reputation of the camp. We don't want, you know, there's all this danger now of social media and what's the reaction going to be. But in my experience, if you've explained the decision well enough to the person who shouldn't be there anymore mm-hmm. and they understand it, nothing bad's going to happen. Right. Um, you know, and, and you have to do what's best for the campers at your camp. Right. Bottom line. Yeah, as long as I think you treat each person with dignity, you know, and mainly in the process, and you go back to that purpose, you know, my purpose as a camp director is to make sure that my camp is X, you know, or my classroom is Y, or my team is Z, whatever it is, if that person is no longer willing or able to go along with that mission, go along with that purpose, then they're they're only holding back, because you only get better, you get worse, there's there's none of the wrong. And if you've done a really good job as a camp director, that person tells you before you have to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you've done the right thing and you've, you've done all this work about purpose and mission and, and uh, then you, then you realize that then that person realizes, you know, and understands better and they can make that decision for themselves. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, And then you can really celebrate them and and send them off, really recognizing them for all they've done for camp and welcome them back and all of those things. So really, it's all about doing that that work ahead of time. Yeah. All right. So that's with kind of the the longer term staff. But from a kid standpoint, what do you see the mistakes of maybe giving too much leadership early on, maybe not being clear enough? Like what are some mistakes you see from for the kids from a leadership standpoint? So from, from counselors, you're saying? Or, counselors or, or campers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is just a, a, a training piece, mm-hmm. right? I just, I'm not sure that camps are prioritizing as well as they could be their time at training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we get caught up in a lot of the minute details, and we don't spend enough time talking about what leadership looks like. 
mm-hmm. um, or even defining our own way of explaining leadership, right? There's all these books out there, you know, and all these different types of leadership. And I, I like when camps take a little piece of everything and make their own definition. Yes, you got to own it. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, it's during staff training, you know, and I say this to, to people all the time. It's like, they're college students, high school college students working for you, right? They will figure out where the bathrooms are and how to get food, <laughs> right? They will. I know it's like a, a silly example, but it's true, right? True, like Totally true. We don't need to spend half a day giving these like, you know, in-depth tours of camp and like, you know, you know, this is how the kitchen works and tours of the kitchen. I mean, we want them to respect those people and, and listen and, and do the right thing. But I mean, man, we're wasting a lot of time with these types of, of pieces that we could be doing much differently sure. um, and really focusing in on what does it mean to, to take care of other people's children mm-hmm. and what does it mean to take care of each other as right. counselors and staff members and look out for each other. Uh, so I think we need to, to kind of refocus our energy, but it's really hard, right? People have been doing staff training for 20 years, 10 years, right? Right. And April comes and they're like, oh, I just got back from a great conference, all these great ideas. Professor Dave gave me all these great ideas, but yep. now, you know what, let's just, we're going to go for it. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it, right? Like prioritizing what we want them to know and the language we want them to use. Right. I talk a lot about language, but what's your language of camp? How do you want people to talk about camp while mm-hmm. you're there? You know, I've seen all these great examples of schools that put up the type of language they want on the sure. on the hallways, right? In the bathrooms, right? On the stalls, yep. right? All these great examples. They do it a lot overseas. Um, mm-hmm. They're a little bit further ahead than we are, right? But getting that kind of common language and what we want, how we want people to talk to each other and the way we want them to treat each other, that's a huge part of it for me. Gosh, I mean... It- Yes, 100%. If you could have everybody speaking the same language, you know, it, to, it would really move the needle quite a bit in terms of leadership across the board. And then it also allows the kids, the younger ones, to look up and catch that. You know, I've heard several times, you know, you, you can't be taught stuff. You have to, you have to it has to be caught. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is so great about campus. You have these wonderful near peers running around these, you know, 19 to 22-year-old young men and women and the kids see that and want to emulate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, one of the things that's really hard also that you, you kind of alluded to earlier is the idea of social media mm-hmm. and phones. You know, so I equate it to saying to somebody that for 10 months out of the year, you can have all the water that you want. Mm-hmm. But once you get to camp, you can't have any more water. <laughs> right? People are going to sneak water. People right. are going to, you know, start breaking open rocks and trying to figure out how to get water. Uh, (laughs) Who knows, right? They're going to sneak out of camp to go get water. And that's how I view social media and phones for people. And I I don't believe that they belong at camp. Mm -hmm. I I think camp is a pretty special place. And, you know, this guy, Gary, who I talked about, who I worked with him and his wife for five years running Pine Grove Day Camp in Jersey, we would never have met each other if it wasn't for camp. Sure. Right? We were put in a group together. We were seven years old, right? We were from two different, he was from Connecticut. I was from Westchester, New York. And we just happened to go to the same camp. And we were in a group of guys, like 12 guys for, for a ton of years. And, you know, however many number of years later, we, we 
ran and grew a camp together and we remain best friends. And, and, you know, like I said, his son goes to my camp, like that's camp to me. Right. right. But I also understand that times change. Sure. Right. And so I talk a lot about, and, and I did this with uh, Michael Thompson from Camp Leaders last year at the Tri-State Conference. We talked about this, and I continue to kind of talk about, we talk about building a path instead of a wall. Sure. So well, right yeah. now we've, we've, we've built a lot of walls about hand in your phones, give us your phones. But what about if we built a path and we found creative ways for them to feel like they can use their phones for a productive way? Uh, so we talk about, you know, he lives in Austin, where Camp Leaders is based out of. Sure. Austin's a city that 10 years ago, nobody knew about, right? And they started this campaign about keep Austin weird. And then they started putting stuff up on the walls around right. town and telling people to take a picture of it and post it online, right? Why don't we do that at camp? Sure. So we talked about why not put some of these types of things up at your camp? You all have beautiful places. There's some place where you can have some like memorable moments and help and use them as a recruiting tool for you, right? And say, you know what? On your off periods, we'd love for you to have your phones. Go take some pictures around camp, post them on your social media, and get some of your friends to come work here next summer, sure. right? Um, and somebody gave the idea, well, if you don't want to do that, then have them take pictures and put them on a Google Drive in the staff lounge. Mm -hmm. And then your camp photographer can do social media or opposite. Have your camp photographer put a Google Drive up for staff to use on their social media, right? Find a balance. Right. Um, and cause I think we we're not doing great with these 19 to 22 year olds where we're, we're they're not used to this. Sure. Right? They have yeah, this autonomy. Totally yeah. And freedom. And even our eight year olds have phones now, right? Sure. That's a little bit easier to control because hopefully the parents are buying into you not <laughs> having electronics there, but I think with the staff, we need to take a step back, just like we do with, you know, showing where the bathrooms are for half a day. I think we need to step back and, and evaluate ourselves, right? And our kind of like old school mentality that I don't disagree with necessarily, but also realize, is this really a benefit to camp or am I hurting myself? Right. right? Is this why it's hard for me to find staff members? Is this yeah. why? Well, and, and that goes to, the leadership has to have enough courage to look at the current situation and, and change as needed yeah. um, while also preserving what's most important to them. You know, exactly. I, yeah. Yeah. It's balance. Right. Right. Um, I think that's a huge leadership skill too. You have, as a leader, you have to be able to, to take a broader view and yeah. say, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? Like every decision in every conversation you're having has an impact on the culture on everybody else at camp because they're all looking to you and sure. you set that standard and you have to take a look and, and, you know, pretend you're a drone, right. Mm -hmm. And say like, what will this decision mean to camp right. um, or whatever environment you're in as a leader? And right. what will the ripple effects be? What are the positives? What are the negatives? And, and how can I better meet everybody where they are? Yeah. I think that idea of going to second and third level, consequences or thinking that's something that's not talked about enough, uh, not only in camping, but in any leadership situations that are going to make this decision. All right. Well, let's think about, like you said, the ripple effects going forward. But one piece I want to ask you about is, you know, the idea of looking up and yes, I think counselors certainly look up to, to camp counselors, wherever they are. Um, but I think campers look up to what a lot of camp have, which are CIT programs, these, these young campers in transition or counselors in training or however you want to describe it. 
we put these 14, 15, 16 year olds, a lot of different camps do it different ways into quote unquote leadership positions. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the benefits you see of that? And what are some of the mistakes you see in that? That's a big question, Cole. Uh, uh, I try. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the benefits are in a world now where a lot of these young people are not getting this type of responsibility outside of camp. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity to remind them that they are going to have to live independently and make some really hard decisions in yes. a couple of years when they go to school, yeah. uh, that their parents will not be there with them. Uh, they will have to be accountable for their own actions at some point in life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge benefit. Um, and I think caring for other people's kids is a huge uh, way to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unique, right? It's not just saying like, okay, you're going to go volunteer for a day, you know, which is great, right? Which they mm-hmm. might do at school. You have to do a volunteer project, whatever it is. But really like the safety and care of other people's children is something you can't replace. Yeah, uh, You know, um, I would say, you know, I don't, I don't have kids of my own, but being at camp has made me a much better uncle, uh, mm-hmm. and, and fake uncle to some of my friends' kids. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I, um, I think that's a huge benefit is just the accountability piece and teaching them that, that about consequences and learning from those mistakes that they're going to make. And, and, uh, also what it's like to have a boss what it's like to have to report to somebody um, who's not going to have your back all the time. Mm -hmm. who might tell you you've done something wrong. Yeah. So I think that's a huge benefit. I think, you know, I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'm in a position to say what camps are doing wrong, but I would say that some of the CIT programs or whatever you call it, LIT programs are not doing enough of that. Right. It's too much of a transition from camper to counselor and it's kind of like it's almost like a uh, study abroad kind of situation <laughs> right being a college a professor cushy. yeah it's a little cushy it's a little like we value you as a as a camper we want to we want you to be here because there's value to be, be you being here as a counselor because you know you've grown up here and it, it lends some credibility and whatever it might be mm-hmm. and i don't think they're doing enough of the leadership piece of that right, right? and talking enough about I think they're spending too much time saying, all right, go, go hang out with that bunk instead of having somebody really sit down and teach them. Right. right? This is what you can do with that bunk, you know, while right. you're there, you know, right. or, or this is what the, you know, you started asking me like, how can you relate this to the outside world? Mm-hmm. Well, this is it, right? Like, right. This is not just camp and not just fun because you loved your CIT when you were a kid. This is, this is about the skills that we can help you acquire that are going to put you ahead of all your friends. Right. That's huge. And, and it's funny. There, there's more and more I see on LinkedIn and other spots about how uh, industries will look at or leaders within industries look at people and favor a person who, who was a camp person or a camp counselor. Yeah, totally. They can relate to other people and they can form teams and they can lead and they can follow. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, like, like our friends, Scott Brody and Steve mm-hmm. Baskin and, you know, mm-hmm. now ECA national is doing a lot of work with these 21st century skills. Mm-hmm. And I view that as a framework for what like the LIT program should really be looking towards or CIT programs, whatever they're called. Yep. I think because though, you know, I, I teach at Temple university here in Philly where I live mm-hmm. and I teach a business writing course okay. and you know, the, the Fox school of business is pretty good school and they're constantly, you know, surveying the employers that are hiring 
And they said the number one skill that's missing is communication skills. Wow. So we teach this course about how to write and how to give presentations and how to express yourself in a professional way. The soft skills are still really, really important. Yes. And, you know, no offense to any of the school teachers out there, but it's, there's no time for that at school. Right. Right. Absolutely not. There's all this other stuff going on. Yep. Um, And so if we can do some of that at camp, imagine the benefit that we're giving to these young people. How to communicate with your boss. Right. When your parents aren't there to call and, and get your back, mm-hmm. right? Like they can with your coach or teacher during the school year, you know, how to be accountable, how to write a note to somebody asking for something, how to, how to bring up a tough conversation, right? whatever it is. Right. So taking some of those lessons and infusing that in your program, I think would make a huge difference. And I think just to, on top of that, I just had this thought that more and more camps need to, write a note to that kid or to that family say, Hey, this summer, this is what you practice. This is what you actually got to do. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wait a second. I did. Whereas yeah. they might look back. Oh, that was a fun summer. I had a couple of neat moments. Right. Now you can say, no, I learned how to do X, Y, and Z. And that might help set them up down the road a little bit better. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, yeah. It's just like we, the way we debrief in a, sure. in a training exercise, right? right? What did you learn from this? What, why did we do this? Same thing. Why did you do this program? Was it just to have a fun summer and, you know, have kids on your shoulders and, you know, enjoy a last summer as like a quote unquote camper with all your best friends? Or was it really to get you somewhere? Right. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I see those programs that should be heading. Interesting. Awesome. All right. Well, unfortunately, the campfires is, you know, kind of getting down here a little bit. But one last question. I know you read a lot, you study a lot. Do you have any go to or, or kind of top leadership books that, that you've enjoyed that you would suggest? Oh, man, I wasn't prepped for this one. Um, <laughs> I don't read traditional leadership books. Okay. So do I don't mean? read. I don't read like the Brene Browns and things mm-hmm. like that. That's, that's not my go-to. I read things outside of that. Okay. Um, so a lot, I, I read a lot of fiction to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also read, I also listen to a lot of like NPR mm-hmm. and, and those types of things where I'm listening or, or I read a lot of Harvard business review. I read a lot from the Disney Institute. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. So good. So, you know, I take a lot of, things that you wouldn't think are camp related and I bring them to camp. Um, so I love the, the guys who do, um, uh, the Navy SEAL guys. I can't remember their names right now. Yeah. Jocko is like, although I don't think I could be in the same room as him because I'd be really scared. Uh, imposing. I have been in the same room and and he is imposing. Yeah. So I I like that kind of, you know, but again, I, I kind of bring it in and talk about it and try and reframe the conversation a little bit. Um, but I'm not a traditional leadership, but I have a lot of friends who try and get me to read leadership books and I kind of have and haw. It's not really my thing, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I, I do see value for people in reading them. Uh, so a lot of what I'm reading is, is just, whatever I think is interesting. And then I, I'm always like, you know, I'll watch movies and think about camp um, and I'll take that movie clip and I'll infuse it into one of my presentations. Uh, And a lot of what I'm doing is just from talking to people like you and Mm -hmm. other camp professionals and kind of hearing what's going on. And, and I go to other industries and I go to nonprofits, you know, Mm -hmm. figure out what their challenges are. So a lot of it is not necessarily sitting down and reading those books, but really 
kind of getting a lot of information and trying to figure out how to make it work for us. Yeah, I think it's such a powerful way to look across industries. You know, you can learn so much from other walks of life, whether you're a coach, a teacher, a parent, a camp director, doesn't matter if you're a banker, you can take little pieces from lots of different places and synthesize it to forward your purpose, your mission of your, your spot really, really well. Yeah, and that, that's how I view it. And you know, I don't, not to devalue any of those books, I think everybody, you know, to get a book published is not that easy. So obviously <laughs> these people know what they're talking about, right? Right. Um, but for me, it just works better the other way. Um, I, I like to kind of, like you said, just get a diversity of information and, and figure it out. Fantastic. All right. Professor Dave, thank you so much for spending time My fire with me. Pleasure. This was fun. Yeah, man. We'll do it again. Cool, man. Thanks so much, Cole. I appreciate the time. You got it. There are so many good ideas from a leadership standpoint that's a little hard for me to know to where to begin. Preparing staff members for future leadership roles before you offer them makes a ton of sense. Too many times have we given someone a battlefield promotion, wished them luck, and then sent them out to lead in a less than ideal frame of mind. I'd never really thought through how that can cause a pretty bad ripple effect for that young person. While I know it's something that it has to be done sometimes, the transition into leadership should be one that, that everyone thinks a little bit more clearly about and a little bit sooner than we normally do. Professor Dave's insights into the rise of extroverts, the leadership power of introverts, and how we can learn to work better together is a huge thing for parents, teachers, coaches, and really anybody who wants to work with kids or other people to know. How can we effectively lead if we can't meet someone where they are? Does this child or young staff member need to have a quiet, thoughtful approach? Or will they respond better to big movements and lots of talking? What fills them up? What puts them off? This leadership thing, it's challenging. There's lots to think about. And in fact, I think that actually is the, my favorite part from our conversation with Professor Dave. When he asked that question, what will this decision mean for camp? That's a hugely important question to ask. And you can just as easily substitute camp with my family or my company or my classroom or my team or, or anything else. It's a simple and powerful thought if you take the time to think. We must all slow down a little bit and think more. I know I spend a lot of my time just doing, thinking wrongly, that if I just keep working, it'll all work out for the best. And that has happened in the time. But if I could slow down a little bit more and think about the ripple effects of those decisions, odds are our camp, our home, our job, our business, whatever it might be, is going to improve. Finally, if you're in a position to lead young people, Make sure you're coming up with ways to give them true responsibility. And by that, I mean responsibility that comes with both positive and negative consequences. The sooner that our young people understand that the rights of leadership are inexorably joined with the responsibilities of leadership, the more quickly that they'll grow into people who can both lead themselves first and then lead others next. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you found this or other podcasts useful, I hope you'll leave a rating or a review on whichever podcast service you're using. And I hope you'll share this podcast with a friend. Our campfire circle is big enough for everybody. Until we speak again, do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential.
We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.